He's the owner of the most educated feet in professional wrestling. Some would call him the professor. Some might call him infamous. We call him the host of the show. And I mean, <laughs> folks, where's the lie? It's time for the Undisputed Podcast with Bobby Fish. It's you guys. Close that door for me, Nate. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Thank that's you, our deathmatch guy oh oh yeah nate kill. works the deathmatch yeah i call it, his name's kill bill oh, killy geez. billy okay and he Ooh. does he's i mean he's wrestled like a, a couple big guys big names and he does okay. i've seen the matches they're actually pretty good yeah yeah there's a market for the deathmatch stuff i mean i it's not my bag of tricks but you know I, people dude people like it yeah he's uh i mean he really does he, he says he's pretty busy doing it so it's um good for him I about to, exactly good for him yeah, <laughs> good, yeah good, sir. For him. good for that's him it's kind of like it's kind of like ecw guys it was like that's what y'all do well good yeah. for y'all <laughs> yeah. this yeah. is what we do <laughs> right right yeah well, first right. and foremost, let's congratulate the Buff Band right here. Sobriety, you're good, brother. Beautiful. Thanks, Looking man. Good. Five Looking months. Apart. Good That's for you, That's awesome. Sir. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate it. I've, I've never done it, like, uh, ever had any success this way. Uh, so I'm very excited. It's very new. It's very new, but I'm excited. Yeah. Well, that's Five great. Months. Five months over. Wow. That's awesome. That's now, are you doing the DDP yoga too? Mine, yeah, I still got a, my knees still hurt from that car wreck I had two years ago, and that's kind of what led me into my relapse was that car wreck. Um, uh, I don't know if y'all want to get into that now or when we or are we are we rolling? Yeah, are we rolling? We are rolling. Yeah, so I I, that was my question too. Huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was started. my question too. Was are we rolling? And yeah. We are. Uh, right. I, had a, I had a car wreck uh, August of 2020, which is right after kind of the kind of the COVID thing had started, you know, and, and I really thought maybe it was a good time of a horrible car accident, you know, to maybe, you know, it being a good time because I, you know, wrestling really dipped down with COVID and all that. So I thought, well, I take this time to get better and then I'll come out of come out of COVID and be ready to roll. Well, it didn't quite go so great because COVID, you know, was a horrible time to be doing anything, especially in the medical world. And it just was, it just was horrible. I was in the hospital for seven weeks um, wow. and I had 21 knee surgeries in that seven weeks. Wow. So every oh. third, yeah, every third day uh, they had a surgery on my knee and, and out of all that, it came to where it still, wasn't doing good. It was it like the I, I got staff and it just kept getting worse and worse. So the actual surgery they did to rebuild my knee didn't go so good. So I, you know, enter Mark Bagwell and enter self-medicating myself because I was just so depressed. And yeah. you know, the, all the stuff that comes with it, you don't think it does, but it just does sure. with isolation and you know yep. depression. And yeah. for the first time in my life. I couldn't fix it. And, and that just don't work for Mark Bagwell. I, I fix it, you know, yeah. and, and I couldn't fix it. So yeah. Medicaid was fixing it to me and sure. I did so. And I knew how to do that pretty good. 
And yeah. so I started doing it, you know, on a professional level of medication. And yeah. uh, Dallas, Dallas Page stepped in and said, look, bro, you got to you got to kick out here, man. You got to, you know, your knees never going to get better until we get yeah. you better. And yeah. uh, so they kind of did like, a, um, you know, intervention type thing with me. And, and I think they were I think they thought I was going to really, you know, kind of fight them on it. But, man, I was like. I'm ready. I mean, I was tired and ready, you know, to yes, go. Yes, sir. It was right coming right off that show we just shot called Change or Die. So I yeah. went into that show called Change or Die with Dallas uh, that he was doing, and it was me and Butterbean and yeah. uh, 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 the three other people that were no celebrities, but they were, you know, people trying to change their lives or die. Did um, Butterbean but, have a substance issue? A little bit substance, but okay. he had two... I mean, he was, he was so bad, he, he couldn't even stand up straight. He was leaned over and crutches. Right. And he ended up having two hip replacements. And, yeah. But everybody was pretty much diet. Um, I, I went in there at 275. Whoa. Wow. And, and I keep mine. I was, I, I'm a two, in my wrestling days, I was, I was shredded, but I was oh, 230. Oh, yeah. 230. Yeah. 270. Wow. I was fat yeah. as a hog, and I, and I didn't yeah. know you could get fat from drinking, but I did, and yeah. um, and so I, I lost thirty pounds in two weeks. Wow, good for just you! By just by just cutting my carbs out and quitting drinking, and then yeah, and sh the show kept shooting. Then I relapsed in the show, so yeah, all sent me to uh, a Black Bear Recovery, and uh, which led to my aftercare, which was Tangu. And then, which is right here in Marietta, and then that equals five months um, uh, sober, and that's everything's going really great. Well, that's congratulations, awesome. man! I, I celebrate that. Um, there, there has been um, some addiction issues in my family, and uh, you know, so I can I can certainly relate. Um, and uh, just good to see you get sober and be excited about it now you know that's fantastic and and you bring up dallas um i swear the man I, is he like an angel because to see the generosity that that comes off of that man and like you know it's it, even down to the the way that like he offered his uh, ddp yoga program to every wrestler like i mean these are people he doesn't even know but I, I don't know, man. He's just, he is uh, such a exceptional and, and uh, special human being. He really is. And you ask him a minute ago, is he an angel? You know, it's, 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 it's exactly like that. I mean, anybody sure that is. sees, anybody that sees that video of Arthur sure. or DDPY thing, and you sure. don't believe in DDPY, I don't care what you think or have been told or anything. All you got to do is look up go on ddpy and look up that arthur video yeah and you will change everything you ever thought yeah. or knew about diamond dallas page it's yeah. just it's unbelievable what he has tapped into and he saves lives jake really roberts was a strung yeah. out drug addict yeah and he is eight years sober and feeling better than he's ever felt in his life and he looks like a million dollars. And yeah. no, everybody thought Dallas was crazy to mess with Jake. 
And everybody thought Dallas was crazy to mess with Marcus Bagwell. But, yeah. you know, he's just, he's just, he's just something, he's got some kind of magic with him. And the magic, I really believe, is, is I, I want to say it sounds corny, but it don't. His magic is love. I mean, yeah. it's love. He, yeah, it's they want to see people survive and make it. And, yeah. and that's what people do that are around them. Yeah. Well, what I what I find interesting about it too is everybody thought Dallas was fucking cuckoo when he decided to become a pro wrestler at 35 years old, you know? So like I just I feel like that's the man's track record. Yes. And he's doing nothing more than playing it forward. And and to him it's like you know, this stuff might seem exceptional or 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 out there or whatever, but for him he's just doing what he's already done. Like the man just, you know, and that's what makes him so exceptional to me. I mean, I, think, I mean, I told this story the other day. He didn't become popular. He became rich and two things that he was told he had lost his mind and did it. And one of them was pro wrestling. And the yeah. other one was, and God, he hates this word, but he, <laughs> he got rich in yoga. Yeah. Now he hates yoga. He likes it called DDPY, DDPY you know. Yeah, but it's yeah. freaking yoga. Sure. And 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 me and Lex Luger used to stand outside the ring and we would laugh at Dallas, laughing out loud, like, you are an idiot. What are you doing with this little stupid mat and your poses? What are yeah. you doing, buddy? He was doing that stuff back then too. Like yes, back every days, he was. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was that's thirty years. That's twenty five years ago. Wow, Bobby. wow! I didn't know he was he was doing it as much then, and I'm sure it's been a, pro a progression. But, um, yeah, I didn't know that. Wow. He I had his mat at WCW shows Whoa. in the ring doing yoga. Right, and right, and I, I, I can only imagine the ridicule he received as a result and lex luger led the army <laughs> <laughs> of course of and course. lex is brutal the most jacked dude on the roster yeah, of like, course are you kidding me yeah what are you doing you crazy fool <laughs> of course but i mean that's part of the beauty of dallas it's, you know that's, it's that's like the angel it, it only right. influences him it only it only um furthers his his commitment to it it seems or the man truly has tapped into and you hear people say it all the time i'm guilty of saying it oh well i don't care what people think but we all do right. um but dallas i i sometimes man i swear it's like shit he really doesn't care he is marching to his own drum and yes. you can get on board or you can get out of the fucking way those are good choices off. yeah it's um it's beautiful it is. It is. I, I'll tell you what. Uh, and I did it this morning and last night before. But like I do DDP yoga probably more than I do anything else. I mix it into a bunch of the modalities that I do training wise. But man, I, there's rarely a day that I go that I don't at least do some piece of it. Right. Um, I want I want you, Bobby. You need to, and this is the front edge of this, man. But have you yes, heard? Sir. Have you heard about the power cuffs? Uh, <laughs> does that go over my wiener? 
No, sour cup. If, it, if it did, it's I like would have protect my of them. <laughs> okay, well, do tell, sir. But they're they're man. This is this is deep, and I'm giving you the front edge of it, bro. They're right, cuffs that go oh, around cuffs, your arm. cuffs with an F. Yeah, ah. they go around your arm. Yes, you dial them up. Yep, and they there is blood flow restriction. Yes, is what Dallas. So that I do know those. Dallas actually sent me a set of those. Apparently, have you? Have, be honest. Have you used them? Uh, I tried to use them in the beginning, and um, I couldn't really get them like figured out exactly. Right. Exactly. And then uh, you know, I'm ashamed to admit that I I quit trying. No, don't do not be ashamed because you did exactly what everybody else has done. But Dallas. Okay. Has spent three hundred grand perfecting these things, okay. and now we've got the finished product, and they're All called right. DDPY power cuffs. Okay, and they're going on Shark Tank with them next month. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna have so, to look out for that. Yeah, my daughter so, and I, we watch, and my and my wife, we watch Shark Tank. Yeah, so we got to get we get. So I'll tell Dallas, and we'll get another one pair sent out to you because the new yeah. ones are much better. There, he did a lot of tweaking. He flew to okay. Salt Lake to see how it all worked to make sure he was doing the right stuff. And we all we we tried to buy into and couldn't. Didn't we understand it and how it worked? Yeah. Man, I am I am sold really? on it now. Yeah. Okay. okay. It's a big deal. And there's medical knowledge behind it now. It's not just wear these cuffs because I think they're cool. There's yeah. actually a medical reason of the restriction of the blood that you're putting to the muscle yeah. by keeping the blood flow from going there. And then after the set, releasing flush. it and it flushing the blood yeah. in, that causes instant growth. It releases growth hormone okay. and the results are better on your arm. And actually they got cuffs for your legs too. Yeah. Because your I limbs see. have a better thing of growing because they're your, they're your, their extremities. Okay. So, you get better results out of arms and like every guy, every guy wants bigger arms, right? Every sure. Guy. So sure. that's the idea. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty good gun. Brother. <laughs> nice gun. So, you know, there was a, when, when I was still working a lot in Japan, um, this was, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, but there was um, people, some of the, the boys there that were using a blood restriction, same things or similar. Um, and it was this whole thing that like, I couldn't really get my brain around and was like, Oh, what, what is it? so like, I believe you when you say there's research behind it and it's legitimate because it's, it's certainly not, um, like, a a, a for, uh, well, <laughs> not the right choice of words, but a foreign concept. It's right. Um, it's, uh, seems like there's something, uh, for sure to it. And, and Dallas, man, he, uh, he's the guy that'll figure that stuff out. And he has, and he has Good for he's figured it out, man. And it's, and it really, I'm gonna I mean, give him I, another shot. Yeah. Do you really, I like, got him really, upstairs. Yeah. They're really cool. And like I said, the new ones, he's tweaking better. There. They're just really perfect. So we'll get you a okay. new, we'll get you a new pair sent out to you. But, okay. Um, but you need to, you need to dive back into them. Because okay. they really are, like I said, there's there's so much knowledge behind it now that's actual facts and okay. And, and, I, and at first I was like, "Dad, this is gonna be kind of hard to sell," you know, because I don't even understand it. 
Yeah. And then when I started understanding it and tried them, man, I was, I was sold. I don't, I do them on every body part. I use them. Really? I, I, you wear them on your arms because it's still, arms. Can, it can do the same thing to your chest on chest day. Same kind of thing. You crank them down to do a set of chest and you uncrank them again because the blood flow restriction still, they say works throughout the body regardless. So, oh. but it just does okay. better. It does better for the arms and legs. Okay. Okay. I'm in. I will yeah, give man. A shot well, I'll get sure. you, we'll get you a pair sent out, but there's going to be back. a short take in a month. And I'm telling you, that's you're, awesome. You don't nobody, nobody knows who they are yet. And so Dallas went in partnership with a guy that invented them. And so yeah. Dallas just kept tweaking them and tweaking them to now they're, they're really good. But, um, um, but I just wanted to know, you look like a power cuff guy and I thought maybe you would do them. So, but now, they got I will QR, now. They got a QR code on the new ones that if somebody comes up in the gym to me and they go, "Hey man, what's what are those?" They put their phone up to me. Boom! They click on the little QR code, and on their phone it explains everything I just said out of my mouth. So you don't gotta oh, wow. explain it twenty times. Wow. I wear those to the gym, bro. And twenty guys. Really? What are those? Right. And they right. make a cool sound. They go. They dial. Yeah, up, yeah, know? yeah. So everybody's like, "What are you dialing? What are you using? What do you got?" You know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, if you think about it logically, if you're anybody that does know um, resistance training and you know the way the body works, and you're actually tearing the muscle down, and then it repairs itself, like it logically you can get your brain around the idea of flushing back into that to accelerate the process of repair. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's cool. cool. It's real cool, man. Check it out. Yeah. I will. I definitely will. How have you been doing? I'm good. You know, I'm good living the, uh, the married life. I got married in July to my beautiful wife and, uh, you know, just, uh, Figuring out how to be a good husband. I hear you. I hear you, bro. <laughs> yeah. But things are good. Things, uh, Excellent. you know. Yeah. Yeah. You um, staying busy? Yeah. Uh, you know, still doing just kind of uh, independent contractor stuff at this point. This is the first time I've been um, not with uh, a big company um, in, in probably like 10 years. So, um I'm figuring out that part of it again, uh, doing yeah. my own schedule, but the freedom is, is nice. Yeah. You know, I've, I'm used to either not being able to do something or having to ask, you know, you know, go through channels to get cleared for a, B and C and, and sure. it's nice right now to just kind of fill in my schedule wherever I have gaps. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's cool. Cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Frank, um, sure. where shall we? Let's where shall we beginning. steer the ship? Let's start at the beginning. Okay. How'd you get? How'd you get in the business, Marcus? Talk to us about global. Yeah. We'll talk about the handsome stranger. Let's get down to brass tacks. Okay, Missy. Missy how, how I got in this business was um, um, my. I was. I can. My story is not a sad. Not a sad childhood. My story is a unbelievable you know, storybook childhood that had rich parents and very well off and, you know, just absolutely one of the best childhoods you could possibly imagine. And, um, you know, sports, you know, family sports, all that, but the, 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 the ship came to an end when, um, my senior year, 
of a of a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful family that had a hell of a ride in the lumber business and very well off. And my senior year, my senior year, we uh, we were going broke, 1988. And um, so my dad came to three, I had three, two brothers, three boys together. And uh, he came to the two brothers and me and he said, hey, man, he goes, we're going broke. So I, we're going to try. What do y'all want to do? And my oldest brother said, I want a gym. My middle brother said, you know, I want a drywall company. And I'm 18 years old. I don't know what the hell I want to do. Are you kidding? Yeah. So I was like, man, let me think about it. So I came back. I'm trying to put something together. I came back with massage therapy. And the reason I came up with that was I was a sports freak. And I thought sports medicine. Sports medicine was a big deal. That were sports oh. therapy and sports medicine. Yeah. Sports, sports, sports is all I knew. So I'm thinking sports, man, you know. So I get into I get into massage therapy because that's the first thing you gotta pass to go on to sports therapy and sports medicine stuff. So I graduate, you know, massage therapy school, and there's a there's a place for an income in massage therapy. And it went, you know, massage would had really tried to clean up during this time. Like instead of the word massage, it was masseuse. We were professional, we were professional massage therapist. The word masseuse wasn't even a word during this time, but they were really trying to clean it up. And the one thing I didn't learn or didn't know was it was a profession that was really for more women than it was for men, because it seems like if you were a man, you got to be a little bit on the feminine side or not so not a not a 230 pound bodybuilder dude like I was trying to be. <laughs> women would walk in and go, are you kidding me? There's no way I'm taking my clothes off in front of you. So it just didn't work. Women were uncomfortable and it just didn't work. So in the middle of trying to figure out that I spent 10 months at school and wasted 10 grand, um, but got a great career out of it, I thought, but trying to figure that out, I'm at the pool one day at my, at my uh, apartment in Kennesaw, Georgia. And I see this hot blonde across the pool. And I'm married at the time, but I'm like, who in the hell's this chick, man? <laughs> she was smoking hot, you know? And she's across the pool. I can't hear nothing they're saying or anything. Well, I come back from the pool that day, and, and this same chick is moving in right across the hall from me. And I'm like, and I'm too stupid to realize she did it on purpose. I'm thinking it's a coincidence. I said, wow, that's ironic. How <laughs> what a coincidence. That's crazy. Well, <laughs> So she's moving in next right or right across the hall. I mean, I remember the number. I was 1504 and she was in 1505. So I'll tell you who it is. You'll know why I remembered. So I, uh, I'm in my hotel room, my, my partner room that night. And uh, my wife goes, I was telling her about this chick I saw at the pool because I always told on myself that way I couldn't get in trouble. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, I saw a hot chick at the pool today. <laughs> Smart. And she was like, okay, well, I said, well, all of a sudden at the door, I'm like, who the hell's that? I look out the door and it's the hot chick. (laughs) I'm like, what is going on? So open the door and she goes, Hey, sorry to bother you guys, but I just want to let you know, you know, um, I saw you at the pool today. And I was like, Hey, Tanya, this is the girl I told you I saw the pool today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. What? So, So she goes, she goes, yeah. She goes, uh, I was talking to your, I saw your husband at the pool today and I, I was thinking to my, to my girlfriend, she goes, he should be a pro wrestler. And I said, a what? And she goes, 
I'm Missy Hyatt, and I'm a big one now. Yeah, I'm Missy Hyatt. I'm, I work for WCW, and I go, those guys don't make no money. And she goes, our lowest paid guy makes $100,000 a year. And I said, what? So coming off trying to be a massage therapist, we're broke, <laughs> trying to put, you know, trying to pay the bills, doing anything at young. At yeah. night, I was 19 years old. And so we, I dive headfirst into it. And I go yeah. to WCW's, WCW didn't have a school then. Nobody had a school then. This is 19. Power plant had yeah, not. This is, this is yeah. 1990, bro. This is not, this is 89. Nobody had a school. So I go, there wasn't, there wasn't a power plant. So I go, right. to, I go where Jody Hamilton was. Okay. It wasn't a school. Jody was just by a ring in a warehouse in Griffin, Georgia. Yeah. And yeah. I go down there with Buddy That's Lee Parker. I, yeah. Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker oh, went no. to the school. And they're charging three grand to go to this school. And I'm like, this is a freaking dump. And I don't got three grand. So I come back home. I tell Missy, look, this is crazy. I ain't got $3,000. She finds a guy named Steve the Brawler Lawler to train me. And he charges (laughs) 1,500 bucks. And he's cool. He's with it. He tells me, you know, he shows me what to do. I go to school the first night, all excited, man. I'm, I'm Mr. Bagwell. I'm, 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 in shape i'm ready to go i'm tough i'm an athlete i'm all county all state football baseball i'll kick your ass i'll play cards with you i can do it all (laughs) i show up and i come back home with a wife that knows i'm that guy that can do everything and i walk in the door and she's like how'd it go how'd it go and i said i'm not going back (laughs) i said it was the hardest thing i've ever done in my life Oh, and wow. she just went like, what? Because we had really banked on everything, you know. Yeah. I was going to be able to do this. And she goes, yeah. what happened? I said, baby, I don't know, except it's, 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 I can't do it. I'm not going back. Yeah. And for some reason, I don't know why or how, thank God I did, but I went back. And uh-huh. it kind of got a little easier, but I was trying to figure it out. Well, the next six months or so, I was, the, I turned into the fabulous Fabian was my first gimmick. <laughs> I went for Joe Pettisino. All right. Oh, wow. A lot of guys came out of this company. It was called North Georgia Wrestling. Okay. Disco Inferno came out of there. Scotty Riggs. Sure. Glacier. Raven. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Van Hammer. Oh, all um, right. So there was some big, there was some names come out of there. Yeah. A really small little Ricky Dean company. Sure. That's a pretty strong name just out of a little Ricky Dink barn. You know, and so, so we, you know, so I do that for, you know, six months and look like the biggest idiot in the world in the ring. And I'd be, we'd come and be driving home with a silent car, me and my wife, just dead quiet. And I just go, (laughs) I just go, what, what is it? What is it? She goes, you're so bad. (laughs) And I go, I know. Why can't I figure this out? She goes, I don't know, baby, but. Do you think you're you can do this? I said, I don't, I said, I'm second guessing myself now. I, I don't know. <laughs> right. So fast forward, I get to Global and I walk out to Global. I'm in Dallas, Texas, and Global's happening. And I walk in the dressing room and it's at Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert as in the locker room. I walk in the locker room and there's baby faces and heels and they're talking to each other. And I said, hold on a second. I go, you guys can talk before you go out there? And he goes, yeah. They go, yeah. I go, 
that what i may be able to do this <laughs> okay <laughs> and man the marcus alexander bagwell was born on that day because it was something about not being able to go over just a few things in the back to feel more comfortable what yeah. that did for me spoke volumes in the ring I went from being horrible to being pretty freaking good right. in a week. Right. Much less you're with Eddie Gilbertson and, you know, yeah. and, um, uh, gosh, just Ravens and, you know, just yeah. guys that could work, you know, and yeah. all these guys that could work. The Patriot, X Pac. Yeah. X Pac yeah. was the lightning kid. Oh, yeah. Boy. <laughs> so it was just all these guys that could work. So I was out there, you know, and, and, uh, and then, of course, they were going to be the next big company. And three months later, uh, they're calling me saying they're out of business. And the yeah. same day they called me, they are they were out of business, was the exact same day WCW called me. Oh, wow. You can't, I can't even make that story up, but it, it, right. it's what happened. And, yeah. and, I, and I remember Magnum TA called me and he called me up. And he goes, uh, Yeah, it's Marcus Bagel there. And I said, uh, This is him. He goes, Yeah, this is Magnum TA. And I said, Magnum who? <laughs> right. <laughs> I was 19, guys. Yeah, I didn't know yeah, who Magnum was. Yeah. And, he, and Dusty and he goes, Well, Dusty wants to yeah, I knew who Dusty Rhodes was. He right. goes, uh, Dusty Rhodes wants to meet you. And I said, Okay, all right, yeah. yeah. So I walk in down there, 19 years old, suit and tie, and I walk in and sure. thinking, what am I doing here? And I walk out with a contract, man. You know, wow. I think the first contract was was uh was 60 grand. I mean yeah. 60, like which is like are you kidding? I was, I was like six million dollars. You know, <laughs> yeah. grand at that Amazing out of your perspective. You at know. 19 yeah. years old. Oh my God, I was rich. Yeah. And so long story short, man, that started a 34 year career, bro. Yeah. yeah. So Dusty and Rose gave my break. You were not uh, a fan then necessarily until you got exposed to it. Um, it wasn't something that, that was in your childhood. I hate, I always hated saying what I got to say next, but I always tell the truth. Sure. And that is the truth is um, my brothers were huge fans uh -huh. and we, and I was a fan, but we never to the point of we were going to be a wrestler. Right. And you know, as good as all, you know, but Bobby, especially you pro wrestlers usually dream about it as as kids dressing up as Halloween characters, you know, and I, I, just, I, I wasn't that dude. I don't know why I just wasn't. And my brothers dressed up like dusty roads a couple of times. Uh -huh. And I remember that. I remember the road warriors coming out and then we're going to beat somebody up. And yeah. we watch, we watch TV and we watch wrestling every Sunday night and Gordon Soley and Ric Flair. I mean, I knew all the missing piece. I knew all the puzzles. And I knew all the, all the stars but I was never going to be a pro wrestler. I was going to be a pro athlete. I was going to be a pro football or baseball player. Right. But I, but not, I didn't think pro wrestling. I so think no. everybody's, everybody's story is different. I, I think that the, the more common than not in pro wrestling is that they, you know, people were fans growing up and that the, that's what they always envisioned doing, or it's their lifelong dream. For me, that wasn't the case. Like I wanted to play football. That was my first love. And that's where I put all of my focus and energy. Now, like peripherally, I, I watched pro wrestling and I was, 
I followed it. I was into it. You know, I was a Hulkamaniac at one point. And, you know, I used to watch it with my dad. And um, I loved uh, the NWA uh, stuff right transitioning into, um, you know, so like late 80s, early 90s transitioning into what would become WCW. I loved that stuff. Yeah. But I didn't necessarily think like, oh, this is something I'll do. It was right. kind of a joke among some of my friends that that was something I would do, but I really didn't entertain that. It was, right. you know, I got into martial arts when I was eight, and that was probably the first thing that I loved. And then football became my teenage to, like, young adult years. And and uh, wrestling just kind of happened for me, too. So yeah. I, I can relate to that. Yeah. I can relate I, to that. I, I, I won. I won the Golden Gloves Georgia State Championship in boxing uh, at 12 years old, um, and so it was 1982. I won that uh, the Golden Gloves in Georgia. But when I won that, it was they. It was a weight thing. If you went back in the record books in Georgia to look at what the rules were in amateur boxing, they would have been said that there were weight divisions. So when I fought somebody with gloves, it was a weight division. So you fought somebody pound for pound, you're like it was like 80 to 90 or 70 okay. to 80 or whatever the pounds were as a 12 year old. Right. It was you're fighting somebody you're saying weight. And then the next year they went from weight to age. And I started getting my brains beat out. <laughs> so I went from being the badass kid to just getting rattled because I wasn't yeah. big for my age. And uh, so, so I started getting beat up. So I was going to take a year off and then come back to boxing because I loved boxing. And um, football, football stepped in and uh, took my life over to that. My love turned to football. And then baseball soon followed. And I think it, over and over, all love went to I was going to be a pro baseball player. Okay. And, uh, and so, but didn't go to school for, I didn't go to, I didn't go, I'm, I went to high school to play ball. I was going yeah. to graduate and go work for my, my parents' lumber company. So I didn't yeah. care. All I wanted was to graduate, play some ball, have some fun. We were already yeah. rich. I'm going to go work for the family and be rich. And yeah. that story went away my senior year. And uh, pro wrestling stepped in. And the baby was supporting the whole family for 11 years. Wow. 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 Great business, though. I love it. So glad I got in it. But yeah. we also, guys like me, got a lot of heat for the business because we didn't love it that way. We learned, we learned to love the business. You can't sure. help but love this business once you're in it. But a lot of guys got heat for not loving it from the start. Like Alex Luger got in this business to make yeah. money. Yeah. Sheen got in this business to make money. Yeah. I got in this business to make money. And right. we learned to love it. Right. But your your Malinkos and your Benoits and your 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 just your stallion workers, your Eddie Guerrero's God rest their souls. What were those guys were the guys I wrestled with that loved this business from the start. Sure. So so do you think that that's a byproduct of um obviously the business was different, but that just the way that the business was protected years ago um and it's certainly not these days um so much of it's been exposed and i'm not even 
not even necessarily like drawing the conclusion that that's a, a negative because at the end of the day, like everything needs to evolve or else it dies. Nothing stays the same. So this business, even in its, its current um, form, uh-oh, what happened? Sorry. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and we're back. There was, was a TV um, timeout. Sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just I I think it it's evolved into what it is now. Um, and I would I, I I'm interested to hear your opinion on do you think it stemmed from that that sort of backlash against the people uh, like you mentioned? Um, do you think that stemmed from the fact that, you know, you had like an Eddie Guerrero whose family, you know, the, the bloodline, no pun intended, but runs so deep with some people? Um, it's, it, I mean, it's what the gimmick is on uh, WWE TV these days with Roman Reigns and the Usos and whatever. It's the bloodline. Um, do you think that uh, sort of backlash was uh, a result of, of that? You know, the roots running so deep? I, I do. I do think that. Um, you know, you got to realize, man, you know, like in this business is, you know, it's a lot and everything. It's a lot of who, you know, and, um, and unfortunately it was like that at WCW, you know, at WWF guys, they seemed to like, you know, there was a boss, there was, uh, there was a boss and his name was Vince McMahon. And there was a, there was a chief and the chief was Vince McMahon. And then the, the Indians worked for the chief. Well, there was too many Indians, too many chiefs at WCW, yeah. but, the chiefs seem to, you know, always use their clique of guys. So if Flair was in the office and was running the show, he used all his buddies like Dick uh, Slater and, and, and all his buddies, Kevin Sullivan's. And then when Kevin Sullivan was my boss, you know, he overlooked a lot of the talent because he was taking care of his, of his clique of guys. Yeah. So everybody was searching for that bloodline. Like we're calling it yeah. and like a Guerrero. Yeah. I mean, the Guerrero bloodline. Are you kidding? How do you yeah. keep up? There's no way to compare with that. Yeah. But I, do, I was just telling Dallas today a story. I was coming out to a match and I, you know, WCW had, had gave me a push and I was, I, I'd gotten, you know, I was starting to get over. And um, so we're at the go position. We got a six man tag that's coming up and it was me and Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit. And I like those guys a lot more than they like me, but, um, but there was no heat there. It was just, they just didn't feel like I'd paid my dues because sure. I was talking to Dallas today about it. Like I paid my dues to make it. But when I made it to WCW, my best, my friend was Sting. <laughs> yeah. I rode in the car with Sting. So I didn't yeah. have to go through this to get to Sting. My right. first car was Sting. <laughs> As yeah. <a> <laughs> so, <laughs> that comes with heat. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, sir, Woo! that'll get you a little bit of heat. Yeah. A little bit of heat. I can so, see that happen. Fast forward, all of a sudden, now I'm rubbing elbows with the top guys, and I'm coming out to a show, and they're going to play my ring music. And I went, no. Right. I go, Terry, <laughs> Terry, please. Terry Taylor, please. Yeah. And Chris, Chris and Eddie, Chris and uh, Dean Lincoln were right there. I said, please, use one of their music, please. Okay. And I said, these guys are much, much more popular than me. 
that needs to be one of their music. And I want him to hear what I was fighting for. And they said, uh, Terry goes, you know, uh, hey, Bub wants to, uh, uh, okay, okay, yeah. He goes, uh, from the top, no, it's, it's your music, Bub. <laughs> oh, my God. So That's uh, so a negative. Kate argues, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I got to do it. So, boom, the, here it come, my music. We're coming down the ramp, and I'm coming out, and I'm going, yeah, at Dean, and I'm going, over at Chris, and they're going, <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. look at Dean and I look at Chris and I went <laughs> I said and I and I, I remember them looking at me like you bastard yeah but I tried I was I trying could see to that. do it man and they, they wouldn't take it so I was they like weren't. I'm taking it yeah let's do it <laughs> you know <laughs> I'll tell you, man, that thing had some traction because that was the buff is the stuff thing. Um, my brother and I, I had an older brother and we would watch. And uh, that was one of them that we grabbed onto. And like we would mimic in the house yeah. all the time. We would do the buff pose. Yeah. <laughs> so you were on to something. I, you know, Adam Cole's a good friend of mine. And, um, I think part of this business is is the process of throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. And his Absolutely. Adam Cole Bebe thing has Bebe. gotten over huge. And, you know, it, it's one of those things that, like, it was just something that he had thrown against the wall and it, and it stuck, you know. Sure and, and that's the stuff that I think in this business really, you know, becomes the some of the money makers. And, um, you know, I... People can be mad at it all they want, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, this business is about making money. Any yeah. business is about making money, sure. right? I mean, sure. or it's not a successful business. So, yep. yeah, it's marketing. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, so the you come into WCW, Dusty is your um fan at this point like dusty has um plans for you or was that yeah he um when i came in man he was um he was all about it he was really uh he was all about and you know marcus bagwell and really excited about it and i just didn't understand because i was just so young you know i was like right what can i do here you know i mean i had no idea what a small package was to an arm bar to a hammer lock. I, I just knew I could go out and fake all of it if I had to. Right. I didn't know what I was doing. Okay. So here I go out and have a match with Chris Benoit and I and, and we're going over the match in the back and he's showing me a couple of moves and he's naming all of them like fish out of water and this stuff. And I go, yeah. I said, bro, bro, I said, bro, let's just just show me what to do. And yeah. I can do it. And so we go out and wrestle this match. And um, I mean, we do all the, the fish out of the water and roll up, you know, small pack of schoolboy, you know, uh, you know, hammer lock, elbow, elbow, you know, tackle, drop down, leap, throttle, hip toss, monkey flip, all the cool moves we're getting in. And I know all the names now we're doing them and we get to the back and uh, Dusty Rose come out of the back. He rips his headset off, throws him in the air He's walking at us, and we're like, what the hell did we do wrong? And he goes, Bagwell. I go, yeah. He goes, you didn't tell me you knew how to wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I went, well, 
I thought you knew I, I, I mean, I, I thought you knew I could do a little bit. He goes, not like that. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. So that night he saw me wrestle like that. He went straight to uh, Big Ben Vader. All the whole, the whole locker room yeah. was kind of in, up in arms a little bit, but like about the rookie that just went out and had a hell of a match. And yeah. he was like, everybody, so everybody's kind of laughing and smiling because they're all on your side at first because you're not, you're not a threat. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so they're like, yet. oh, he's cute. He's cute. <laughs> Yeah, you're shiny. You're the shiny yeah, we toy. Like, yeah, let's keep it around a little while. So, yeah. and I'm bouncing off the wall, all excited. And uh, Vader's like, you should put him and Scorpio together. And so him and uh, Vader and Scorpio were big friends. So that entered enter me and Scorpio becoming tag team of the year and world tag yeah. team champions. My first world yeah. tag team championship. Oh, that's nice. So Scorpio was, uh, I met Scorp when I first started going over to Japan. Um, he was the like main, uh, foreign talent, uh, for pro wrestling Noah at the time. And, and that was probably my, not even probably, that was definitely my biggest break at that time, you know, where I actually, uh, you know, made some, some real money and was like, holy shit, like you can, uh, you know, so Scorp, yeah, I, I go way back with uh, with Scorp back to some early years, but a uh, good dude, really good dude. I learned a lot with him, and like I said, we yeah. became all tag team champions and had a great time together. And then they they, they got rid of him, and I thought, oh my god, you know, why I'm, why am I even here? I mean, yeah. I, I shouldn't have a job here. What am I doing? And then. And then enter, you know, Dale Wilkes came in and they they put us together as Stars and Stripes. Yeah. And then I had that Stars and Stripes run with him and, and I got better and better at my craft. And, you know, I became that, I became that big part of, of, of an area. I, I almost call it a, 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 the little fish in a big pond is what I would call it because the tag team division was kind of weak. So yeah. I saw where I could move up a lot quicker and be a much bigger deal in the tag department. Okay. Okay. And, and then that, that came with that. It wasn't on purpose that happened. It right. was what they gave me, but I took what they gave me. Yeah. And what they gave me was a chance to be the best tag team wrestler at WCW. And I did yeah. uh, with five different guys. I became a five-time tag team champion with five different dudes. Yeah. And nobody's ever done that. And well, that's so, what that you'll hear a lot of people say too. In it, as far as a successful recipe in this business is like, you don't always get to decide. Like, okay, somebody the analogy they used with me was, um, you know, they're putting you in the movie and you have a part in the movie and you're supposed to play your part. And I always likened it to like, you know, well, you can't be like, oh no, I mean, it's Mission Impossible, but I'm Tom Cruise. Like, no, you you play your role, right? Um, but you hear it said over and over and over that minute, two minutes, five minutes, whatever it is that they're giving you on their broadcast, make the most of it, right? You know, and it's kind of a similar like you're saying, okay, well, tag team wrestling was less featured. Um, but you you saw room for you to make your mark there, right? Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And it was just a, it was really it became very clear to me when that happened. But man, I took I took advantage of it because 
I, I, I was good at tag team wrestling too. I was yeah. very good at knowing when to get the heat and, you know, when to get that, that stop spot, when to get the shine spot, yeah. when to make that hot tag with, I was real good about, you know, making sure what everybody, cause you know, Ric Flair taught me years ago that you're only as good as who you're wrestling. Yeah. And I don't care how great you are or how great you think you even are. You're only as good as the person working with you. Yeah. And it's a very true statement. And so, and so I learned that. So I became like any good wrestler, I think should you, you want to know what your flaws to your partner are or your opponent are, because yeah. if he does mess up, you know what to do. And that guy should be doing the same thing for you. Yeah. And so that I was very good about knowing that. And I knew what possibly could go wrong and plan for it to go wrong. And I was ready to be there to save it. And nice. I was good at that. I was a good, I was a good angle at that. And so yeah. I was very successful with tag team wrestling. Plus you could go a hundred miles an hour and tag out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Woo! definitely a different guest thing for sure. Yeah. It's a different <laughs> guest thing. I, you know, I, I'm, uh, you're preaching to the choir. Uh, I enjoy myself tag team wrestling as well. Um, for you know numerous reasons but that that's definitely one where you're yeah you kind of come in you do your part you get out you kind of reset you know you know you're coming back in um i like playing off of the other guy too i i like um playing off of my my partner i think it gives you more um more options out there and that's never necessarily a bad thing um i don't it's not to say i don't like uh working singles too because i do but um i just i i have always been a fan of tag team wrestling and well i truly believe bobby and all my life i really do believe that your tag because of everything you just said that is why that's seven people that's seven brains that are in a tag match that's the tag guys, their manager, and a referee. That's seven different mindsets. That's seven different jobs. And it's a beautiful thing when all seven can come together to make yeah. a great match. Yeah. So it yeah. should be, for all due purposes, it should be your best match on the card. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say this too, which is a similar thought process, but having, you know, been in the business a little while now, I, I think that what I've kind of gleaned from my time doing this is the people that get it when they finally do get it or start to get it, you know, you realize that, um, like you had said before, you're only as good as your opponent. And it sometimes it, you know, when, when the light bulb goes off is when people realize like, okay, I can get all my shit in, but this match is not going to be what it could be if I just get all my shit in. Right. But if I make his stuff matter and he makes my stuff matter, um, when it just happens without either person letting that be their motivation and that's why I say that's when I feel like when people just get it, when yeah. it just clicks, like, no, I make your shit look good. 
Yeah. For no reason other than that's my fucking job. Right. That's when this thing starts to get really good and memorable. And like you're, you're telling a story and people can emotionally connect with, you know, what you're doing in the ring as opposed to just moves. Cause you know, fans, they can't, they don't know what a body slam feels like. No, they don't know. Most of them, you know, no, they don't. why would they know? Right. So they can't relate to that, but they can relate to the story of, you know, your, your, your guy, your brother, your best friend, like getting his ass handed to him and right. you're on the apron trying to get in there and they're cheating to keep the advantage. Like, come all those no, no good rap bastards. Right. You know, that's, exactly. that's the story. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. I love it so much, man, to do, to be able to, that payoff. Of uh, you know, and you know as good as I do that true, true payoff of everything clicking and it and really everything coming together and everything aligning for those seven different brains yeah. to come together to tell a story that everybody understands and you did it correctly is such a high. Yeah, and one that I only felt three or four times in my life of perfect. You know, and this is not many times it all comes together perfect, you know. Yeah, yeah, but those are moments that are are kind of frozen, you know. Um, one, one of them was 1993, Halloween Havoc. Never forget it in my entire life. It was me and Scorpio versus the Nasty Boys. We had Teddy Long as our manager, Missy Hyatt, the girl that got me in the business, was a Nasty Boys manager. Full circle. And and a, and a referee, seven brains. It was definitely from the beginning to the end the best tag team match I was ever a part of. Oh wow! Really? Yeah, very strong. Wow. I mean, down to the, the down to the to managers managers getting involved and yeah. Missy kissed me and the the everybody was just on track. Played their part. Everybody did their part. I think that that kind of takes me back to that m movie analogy and like you're, you, you know, if, if when everybody's playing their role as opposed to everybody fighting for um, the starring role. And it's, and then you hear that said too, is like, okay, well, if you don't want to be world champion, then you're in the wrong business or whatever. And, and that, right. I get that too. Right. But at the same time, like having been, been a part of a group, and the group that I was in, it was legitimately three of my best friends in this industry. Like, I stopped feeling like I was at work. It wasn't work to hang out with my buddies. And there just happened to be a camera there. So I don't, I honestly, like, I, I loved what I did and I was competitive about it. But like, I just, I, I don't know. There's something to be said for that too, where it's like, yeah, I don't need to be Tom Cruise today. I'll play my part. I'm okay with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and that doesn't make me any less ambitious. It, you know, I'll be the best. Um, Paul Heyman had actually talked to us when we were in our NXT run and, and he um, kind of laid some of that out and was like, you know, it's one thing to be this group, um, but it's also great to kind of celebrate the subtle nuances and differences uh, of the people that are in the group. Sure. And that always stuck out to me. It was always something was just one of those things that, that um, I never forgot. That's great. Paul Hamm is a yeah. great guy, man. Yeah. yeah. Great, great mind for the business. Yes, for sure. For sure. Frank, yes. where are we here? 
Frank, Bobby. So, well, it's kind of funny because we're talking about playing a role or playing your role in part of a storyline or a group or whatever that may be. Uh, Why don't you take us through some of your NWO stuff? Like, oh, shit. Yes. How did you work your way into, not necessarily work your way into that, but how did you become part of probably one of the greatest storylines in wrestling history? That's why you get paid big bucks, Dennis. Yeah. (laughs) That was a good one. Yeah, I've been paying Um, attention. That was one. That's that's a very. It's so true, man. It was. Gosh, well, I mean, what a what a a shot of uh, adrenaline I just got in the arm just from hearing NWO for the first time in a while. But yeah, uh, man, I'll never I'll never forget it. Of course, uh, Salisbury, Maryland. Um, we were having Monday Night Nitro in Salisbury, Maryland, and you know, yeah, you got the A locker room, Bobby. You got the B locker room. You know, yeah. and then they got the C locker room, kind of nobody labels them like that but everybody kind of knows what locker room you're supposed to be in you know yeah and i had my my click was the a locker room but i knew i needed to dress in the b locker room with with my with my with my b team and yeah. um so I, I didn't want to sit in an opposite room than scotty riggs you know um so i was in there with my b group of friends my friends and you know lex and sting and those guys were in the a locker room with hogan and so forth and we're, we're, um, we're, we're, I'm dressing and Nash comes walking in from the A locker room. And that's when he walks into the B locker room, that's a big deal. That's he's there for something, you know, and he goes, Hey, yeah. back, what's up, man? I said, not much, man. What's going on? And me and Scotty Riggs just had, we were the world tag. We were just coming off being the world tag team champions. And so I, we really liked where we were at and we were in a good spot and, and all that. So, uh, uh, Kev walked up to me and goes, hey, man, would you want to be in the, um, you know, would you want to be in the NWO? And I said, absolutely. And I said, yeah. are you kidding? And he goes, no. He goes, um, tonight, he goes, uh, and it happened to be the night that Bischoff went out and said, I'm giving WCW guys 30 days to join the NWO or you're fired. Right. So that was the segment that I went in on, which was yeah. me and Riggs came out. And I was going to join the NWO and Riggs is talking to me, you know, trying to talk me out of it. And the way we did it was, um, you know, we came in the ring and, you know, I, I got in the ring and I saw all the talent in there, man, all those stars in the ring. And I was like, man, this is, this is the feeling I want to feel like right here. The yeah. feeling I got right now is what I want. Yeah. And so we first went out there, I, I, we really didn't quite know what we were going to do. And, and Kevin really wanted to kind of me just kind of feel it. And, it wasn't like you're in and this is the segment. He wanted me to kind of fill it out. And so when I got out there, you know, it just felt right. So we continued with it. And I always loved Rick Rude. Um, I was a big Rick Rude fan. And I always loved his, you know, the Rude Awakening. Yes. And so the the blockbuster came from the Rude Awakening. Oh, I wanted shit. To All the, right. the Rude Awakening. I wanted to make it like a high, like a high yeah. spot move. Yeah. So enter the blockbuster, which was a rude awakening off the ropes. Right. And yeah. it worked, and and guys still still do it, which makes me, which flatters me, makes me feel really good. Sure. And it's called they, they don't call it the buff blockbuster, but they call it the blockbuster. You know. Yeah. Which is cool. Which is very yeah, cool. Yeah, for sure. And, um, so we, me and Riggs, came up with that. Um, I did the rude awakening to Riggs to turn on Riggs and uh-huh. went and joined the NWO that night in Salisbury. And um, 
And I had no idea really what I had joined into, but right. I knew it was a big deal, but I just didn't. I mean, I'm already working for world championship wrestling. I've been world tag team champion four times. Yeah, I'm, I'm on a pretty good high anyways, but all of a yeah. sudden, can it be much higher? Well, it can. It and can. that's the NWO yeah. thing. And man, it was, yeah. it was big, bro. It was, yeah, it was red hot. Yeah. You know, it was so, red hot. You know, they, they, I, Keep in mind, I went out there as Marcus Alexander Bagwell, and I created Buff Bagwell out of the NWO. Yeah, so, yeah. Where did where did Buff come from? Where did uh, where did you get the idea for Buff? <laughs> we were we were on a plane ride home from Seattle, Washington, and we're in, we're on the plane. We're partying in first class, and everybody's drinking, and we're 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 getting popular. We're getting famous, and we know it. Yeah. To the point where it's not uncool. It's it's okay that we know it because it's that cool that it's okay. It's everybody's comfortable, yeah. and it wasn't a cocky thing. It was a happy thing, and and so we're trying to. Th- I know that the Marcus Alexander Bagwell's got to go. You know, yeah. I'm like, man, we got we got we got we got put we got put some cool on Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Yeah. So we're in the we're on the plane trying to figure it out, and man, a voice. In the very back of the plane, very back of first class in the shadows, we hear, we're trying to figure out, and I can't even remember the names we were coming up with. We were throwing names out. Me and Luke were throwing some <laughs> names, and Sting was helping us, and it was some names we were just trying to throw against the wall. And, man, in the back corner, I we hear, what about Buff? Everybody was like, that's it. Buff <laughs> back well. That's All right. great. Yeah. Nick Patrick. Holy oh my God. shit. All right. <laughs> so Nick Patrick is who came up with Buff Bagwell. Wow. Yeah. No so I give him all the credit because he I mean, as soon as he guessed that name or chose that name, it was over. It was that was it. Yeah. I mean, it was like that's yeah. it. Buff Bagwell. I yeah. landed and got everything I had airbrushed as buff. <laughs> as buff, yeah. Yeah. So, and the airbrush thing was was kind of uh unique too, you know. I, I, it, you wasn't, know it, kind of, it, kind of, it took a little heat at first because I, of kind I of old it. and Florida, you know, Panama City airbrush kind of uh, it was iffy at first, and man, but I, again it's I a heat getter. On. Yeah. It's oh, a the heat, heat the heat seeker, the heat seeking missile yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> Put a little bit of airbrush on it and we had a there good time go. with it. So, it, you know, Hogan Hell was doing yeah. it. Hogan was yeah. doing the airbrush thing. So it was okay. And and yeah. I kind of upped the game with it with chicks on my tights and sure. you know, and me posing on my own tights. And yeah, you know, just, I just turned the buff channel up as loud as you could turn it, which is what we do as, as entertainers. Yes. We, we just yep. turn our volume up and that's who we are, you know? Yes, sir. And so I just turned Marcus Alexander Bagwell up as loud as I could, and out came, I'm Bob, I'm the stuff, and the <laughs> girls can't get enough. <laughs> My brother used to stand over me and do that. He would, <laughs> you know, when we would fight or we would whatever we would do as two idiots. And then he would stand over victorious and it would be buff and I'm the stuff, blah, blah, blah. I love it. Yeah. Good stuff, man. It was really great. And so, you know, that, that kind of got me in there. And then, um, you know, and I learned real quick that we, we all looked alike, which is okay. So you don't want to like have nothing that's really out of the ordinary, but you got to do something to kind of separate yourself. Sure. I came up with the, you know with my name on the back first, 
you know, just buff on the back of my NWO shirt. And then, you know, then, but it seemed like nobody really cared about doing that, but I, I just thought it was cool to separate ourselves a little bit. Well, then I thought of the top hat, you know, and the top hat was a cool idea. Cool to it. Hat. Nobody, you know, nobody had done that before, made it kind of cool. And then, you know, I did the air, I did my face on to my mom, yeah. my face on the <laughs> yes. top of it. So I come out like, that was the best oh, part. Do it me. You know, that was the best part. You put yeah. your head down and there it is. That was the best part. And I that stuff it. came out when I broke my neck. I broke my neck in 98, uh, April Ooh. 22nd, 1998 at Thunder. The reason I know that date so well is you usually don't forget when you get paralyzed. Yeah. What so was, was that on? Thunder? Thursday well. night Thunder and, you know, Steiner, uh, Rick Steiner comes off with a bulldog. I move. I've taken a thousand times. Sure. He, but he missed me. And when he missed me on the move, I tried to catch up to him and just a freak accident. Boom, boom. Yeah. I broke my neck at three, four. So I got fused at three, four, six, seven and thought my career was over. You know, I thought it was Did over. Did you know it right away when you took the bump? Like, oh, that something's really, really wrong or did I, it take know, a while I, to set in? Well, you know, again, nobody, you know, I didn't know. I, I knew something was bad, wrong. <laughs> right. But like your body has a way of know. telling you. Yeah, I didn't know I couldn't move yet. I just knew something was bad, wrong. So the bang happens, and I go into the mat, and I'm realizing just my brain knows this is really bad. And yeah. I remember thinking, okay, well, and before I could even think, the finish of the match was Rick rolls me over, goes to cover me, Scott Steiner slides in, chair to the back of Rick, oh, puts me oh. on top, one, two, three, NW okay. wins. Yeah. So, boom, I'm paralyzed. Rick goes to roll me over, and I go, I'm paralyzed. And he's like, oh, wow. what? Whoa. Live Whoa. cameras are rolling on the hottest show on yeah. TV, and we've made wrestling real again. And yeah. here we are. We And so he rolls me on over, and you see me going 100 miles an hour, man. I'm like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. I'm paralyzed. Please don't touch me. Don't touch me. Right. And I, I mean, who, who, there's not a playbook for what do we do if somebody gets paralyzed on live TV? No, no. There's I not don't, a playbook not, for that one. Yeah, so we no, played sir. the best we could. Scotty slides in. Here's a 280-pound Steiner that's yeah. out of control with a chair. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. So yeah. he hits Rick with a chair. He hears what I'm saying. So he's just going to get my arm and slide my arm over Rick. Yeah. When he does, my arm just goes and falls back down, and I'm oh. paralyzed. We're back to back. The ref counts one, two, three. Yeah. Who the hell won? Yeah. You know, so they're trying to figure it out, and Shivani yeah. and them don't know. And so, you know, during all this time, I'm laying there. I'm done. You know, it's over. Yeah. The so next eight minutes, which is a long, long time, I think I'm paralyzed. And so finally, finally, uh, uh, my, they're starting to put me on the table and as they're wrapping me on the table, you know, duct taping my head and all that stuff to the table, um, my left hand kind of moves and I kind of feel, have feeling a little bit, but I'm getting taped down at the same time. Yeah. So three hours later, I can wiggle my fingers and my toes, but I haven't moved anything for three hours because CAT scans, MRIs, all that stuff. <laughs> So after all that gets done, the doctor comes in and he goes, sit up. And I said, do what? And he goes, try to sit up. And so 
I was just paralyzed, you know, two hours ago. So I'm trying to sit up real slow and I set up and I'm like, you know, and I kind of feel okay, but I can't quite figure out that I was just paralyzed, you know? Right. So all of a sudden he got, I said, what happened? He goes, where you broke your neck at, he goes, the broke neck went into your spinal cord and did not sever it. It hit your cord. So medically you bruised your spinal cord. When oh, it hit your shit. cord and the swelling happened, that makes you feel like you're paralyzed because right. of the swelling. Kind and when the swelling goes off. back down like it has now, you can then move again. The problem wow. is we got to go back in there instantly to remove it because if you fall, yeah. get pushed, do anything else right anything. now, you could be paralyzed for real. Right. So right. they wow. put me in a halo right there, not a halo, but a neck brace and all that yeah. right there. They flew me because of car bumps. They flew me home from Columbia straight into the hospital, straight into surgery. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, and then, you know, 10 months later, um, I'm back in the ring with Goldberg and Rick Steiner. Wow. And they want me to take the bulldog again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So Only like, in pro wrestling. Right? Only in pro wrestling would you Absolutely. be asked. <laughs> Uh, but holy shit, it's it's moments like that. Um, I think that it makes you realize that there's somebody, something, um, you know, everything happens for a reason. It's cliche to say, but um, you know, and sometimes you gotta figure that that there's a plan and it's not our plan. Um, we're just following along. He just, and... went, he just went the commercial. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. It's that picture in picture thing that they like to do. Yes, right? sir. Yes, sir. Uh... Yeah. So, but you're right. You do, there is a, you got to wake up sometimes and feel something like that. I, and talking about reality, I just bought my, um, I just paid 88 grand for my lot that I built my home on in Woodstock, Georgia. And laying on my back, I literally stroked the check out for 88 grand, got into my Jag and drove to Columbia, South Carolina and broke my neck. So I'm thinking yeah. there goes my car, there goes my, my money, sure. there goes my career, there goes my motorcycle. All the things I love is over, brother, over, it's gone. And yeah. then for it to come back in two hours... It's a head trip, bro. Yeah, I was going to say that. That sounds like a bit of a mind. It was a mind. And, and, bro, Kurt Henning and Rick Rude came together and saw me at the hospital, and they're wow. both not with us anymore. Wow. So just wow. the stuff that came out of it and the things I go back to now and look at with my sobriety walk and all that, man, it's just it's a really yeah. crazy, crazy, crazy world. But um, yeah. one that I've learned a lot in, one that I – I'm so glad to be a part of and so glad that I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 53 years young, bro. I'm, you know, in yes, this sir. business, that's, that's not a lot in this business. And I knew with the heat I had coming in this business at 20 years old and having a look, having a body that's going to come with some heat, you know, of course. and it, and it yeah. did. I was a yeah. super nice guy. I was very humble and stuff. But the more you get stardom, the more you forget that. And the more sure. you start being, the, you know, a guy that's a little comfortable, a little cocky. And 
and a dude that's already got heat that lets his guard down a little bit, you know, man, it's very easy to get legitimate heat. And I did yeah. have legitimate heat. And, yeah. um, and, but the WC, I banked on WCW guys knew me and they knew the Mark Bagwell. They knew Mark and yeah. they didn't know Buff. Buff was a name I had, but they knew Mark. Right. And right. the WWF guys, they didn't know Mark. Right. They heard about Buff. Yeah. And they didn't like him. Yeah. So <laughs> Buff wasn't cool to them at all. Yeah. And they did not know Mark. And I didn't realize that. That's the part I missed on. And sure. I thought I could get away, with, get out of some of the things I had heat for because I was good old Mark, guys. Remember? Right. Hey, I'm Mark. Right. Don't you remember? But yeah. they didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that got passed right over, and I, I had heat out of the gate. But yeah. I main event on Raw thinking, okay, well, maybe we're okay. And then the next week, they fire me in Atlanta. And I'm like, yeah. what? So to this day, 20-something years later, I got no idea why. I'd love to know. But, I, you know, I keep in mind, most times when you get fired from anything, there's a there's a warning. There's a, yeah. hey, bro, quit doing this or yeah. you're gone. Right. There's some kind of warning. Well, when you're Buff Bagwell and you're on Monday Night Raw, and the next week you're in Atlanta, your main event on Monday Night Raw, and the next week, seven days later, you're in Atlanta, you're thinking, here we go. Yeah. And yeah. here you go this way. <laughs> yeah. Get out, Bagwell. I'm like, wait a second. What did I do? Wow. So I didn't, yeah. It wasn't even a thing I did wrong to fix. There sure. were a lot of rumors that were not true. And even if they were true, it's not enough to fire a buff Bagwell. Yeah. I heard rumors like my mother called. Okay, <laughs> let's say she did. I get fired for that? <laughs> right. And then I heard rumors of the me having a bad match. If the match was horrible, can we not look at maybe the last 11 years of his career and give him a warning and not to do that kind of match again? Yeah. So none of them made sense, but they were all things that I think I just had so much heat, bro, that yeah. just had to they had to show that there had to be some kind of guidelines to this business and the, the locker room was not getting along at all. Yeah. And when they fired Buff Bagwell, heat or not heat, that yeah. was a big deal. And the locker room was like, holy shit. They just fired Buff Bagwell in Atlanta, Georgia. You guys yeah. better straighten up, bro. So, yeah. I was a sacrificial lamb is how I like to look at it, but it really did set the locker room straight of like, they're not playing. Yeah. But I didn't have to go down for the not playing rule. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, that's uh pro wrestling, right? I mean, yes, it it's, is. Uh, yes, it is. it's a uh, heartless fucking place. Sometimes I will say that. And that the, the rumor and that, and that stuff, it's like so much of, what gets passed around as reliable information, you know, really amounts to bullshit a lot of times. But don't you dare try to stand in front of that wave because it's going to engulf you because 
the you know people especially the fans like they're um they're not really satiable when it comes to their appetite for um just the like dirt sheet stuff and and it, it it's it's puzzling to me as somebody on this side because it's like enjoy the storylines you know like i i can't i can't remember a time the the bloodline storyline right now with roman reigns and the usos and Sami Zayn, like it's just so well done that's what you're supposed to be enjoying who gives a shit who's married to who and didn't do this and who's got heat in the like you know at nobody cares when it comes to the movies like nope. nobody like nobody really gives a shit so why do you care with this but I, I it's you know i'm not complaining about it because pro wrestling is just it's its own unique sort of thing yeah. so you know you accept it for the good and the bad um but it you know it just uh I think sometimes people take some of the enjoyment out of it for themselves and they really don't need to like just enjoy no. it for what it is. It's entertainment. It's your escape. So, you know, real life is tough and people got, you know, bills they can't pay and, and a, B and C take the two hours that we're providing you on Monday night or three hours. Um, just forget about your concerns and enjoy yourself for, for a little bit of time. You're right. You're exactly right. And, you know, I remember when Nitro was, Nitro had two hours and they were going to go to a thunder. And I remember all of us going, Eric, you can't do this. It's, it's too much. And they yeah. said, well, we're going to, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be like, like the B team, like you guys will wrestle on Monday Night Nitro. And then our B talent don't, they don't get as much TV exposure. They're going to be on this, on the, on the thunder show. And that all was great until the first Thunder ratings came out. And hey. all it did was add another date, another 52 days a year. It added yeah. two gay guys. <laughs> yeah. But again, we all loved it, man, because wrestling was just red hot. And then it was. And then Thunder, and then Nitro got to be three hours. And then it got to be, yeah. we did Nitro, and they just pulled the Nitro uh, banners down and they rolled the Thunder banners up and shot yeah. Thunder right after it. Yeah, and so well, it just got to be a little less, and they're still doing it to this day. Yes, you know, they are. to this day, it's the same format. You know, um, it's the way to keep your overhead a little bit lower, and yeah. um, it 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 seems to be. You know, it's a copycat business, and everybody's kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, um, you're right. Makes sense for somebody's bottom line. <laughs> it sure does. Yeah. Um, Frank, where uh, where shall we head with this? Let's take us home, brother. Take us home. Yeah, take it okay. home. Okay. Marcus, where can we find you? Where can we book you? Take it away. Yeah, yeah new gimmick on. too, right? Marcus, uh -huh. new, new got a new gimmick that well, you're look, doing. We're, we're playing with the Mr. Bagwell thing. We're having a lot of yeah. fun with that, doing the Mr. Bagwell skits and all that. So Yeah. So I saw a little glimpse of it. I don't remember the show. Yeah. Um it, where were we? I, I I don't Baltimore. it doesn't even matter. Was it Baltimore? Okay. Baltimore. Um, yeah, you, you were at Baltimore. Were... Yeah. That was a yes. that, that was yes. that, that really sucked. That was bad. Oh, we okay. To, okay. We try to, <laughs> to throw it out there too soon. Because yeah. nobody knew what it was, you know. Sure. So now we got an origin behind it to explain. Okay, it's kind of nice. like the 
Incredible Hulk kind of thing where, you know, anger is what sets me off. I'm, I'm like an easygoing guy, but rage and stupidity make me go crazy. So there's an hell of a cocktail. Online. Look up. Look up it's Mr. Hell of a cocktail origin. right there. <laughs> Look up the origin online. It's really good. I'm like, yes. so my neighbor walks by and he's like, hey, Mr. Bagel. I'm like, hello, neighbor. Good morning. Good afternoon. And good night in case I don't see you. Now get off my fucking lawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, that right there just sold me. So that's, that's it. In. <laughs> it's really good stuff. But we're, we're going to be a good. lot more stuff that this year. We're doing a lot more Mr. Bagel stuff. But for right now, okay. the best way to go is marcusbuffbagwell.com that right. takes you to my website and there takes you to all of my platforms of you know instagram oh. facebook twitter and all that so it shows you it, it takes you to all of them so go to marcusbuffbagwell.com for all information and then my email address is marcusbuffbagwell at gmail.com for my bookings okay wonderful yeah wonderful welcome Book him. He'll sign. Book him, Dano. Book him, Get going. <laughs> Just don't put some right out of my mouth. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Mr. Bagwell, it was an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, Hold on a second. Enjoyed the conversation. What, what, what do you got, Frank? There's only got? one way to end this show. Okay. Uh, Buff's got to give it our to clothes us. on? Keep our clothes on. <laughs> all right. Buff, we got to have some give to us. You're Let's buff. just say, I'm buff. I'm the stuff, and the girls just can't get enough. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's a good ending. <laughs>